0: Well, this morning is the start of a new series entitled Hot Issues, Refreshing Truth. First part of that title, Hot Issues, comes simply because the things that we're going to cover, um, three of them, uh, abortion, racism, homosexuality, are a hot issue. They're debated in just about every single arena in which you live public and private. Not any one of those three can you go very long with without hearing a conversation or seeing something in print or wherever about them. They're hot issues because as soon as you start to have a conversation or somebody is and you see it, the temperature goes up. Hot issues, hotly debated second part of that series is entitled Refreshing Truth because indeed it is. God desires you to be refreshed by His truth, the truth that He gives in His Word and the leading of His Spirit in unison about who it is that we need to be in the face of these issues. He speaks to them Clearly, in His Word, each one of them. And He speaks so that we would know what truth is, so that we'd be refreshed by it. We wouldn't have to live with anxiety or worries or fears, uh, doubts about where it is to stand and who it is that we need to be in the midst of these things colliding with our being, things that we encounter day in and day out, refreshing truth. So that you'd be led and that you'd be empowered. And it's refreshing because it's truth that you don't need to add to. It's enough. You don't need to make excuses for it. You don't need to apologize for it. You don't need to add to it. It is truth. And it's living truth. And it brings change and transformation in life. So we're going to head down that road and hear what it is that God has to say. And this morning, we're going to deal with the hot issue of abortion. But before we do, just a couple of things that I want to share with you. And the first is this. If you're going to be willing to be bold enough to live the life that God shares he wants you to live uh, and, and address this, this thing called abortion and, and to follow Jesus and to be, here's a reality, you will come under attack. It will cost you something. You can be sure that, as I like to say, Satan will bring it. Because truth is the last thing that he wants in this lost and hurting world. He prefers things like deceit and dishonesty. So you get attacked. Be prepared for it. Brace yourself for it. I've already experienced it. It'll come. But so will this. (laughs) Life-changing, wonderful experiences. As you simply rise up and be, as you know truth, as you speak it, as you be it, God will bring the transformation and the growth in ways that you hadn't even thought of in yourself and in the lives of others. God is good. And he'll bless you for being somebody who follows and lives out this thing called truth. And then lastly, um, part of what truth is about You know, we're focusing, and we think, and we hear truth. We think of righteousness and holiness, and it is all that. But truth is also grace. God's love full of grace and truth. And I just need to share that word about grace. Because I know um, in some way or somehow, um, some of you have been impacted very directly or indirectly by this thing called abortion. Abortion. And it is a painful thing. It's a hard thing. And when decisions and choices are made, it's very difficult sometimes to forgive ourselves. In fact, we hold on to our sin far longer than God does. So if that's true for you, He wants to give you grace. and He wants you to set... Be set free from anything that you're dealing with. And I want to take just a minute now before we read God's word to pray for that. Will you join me? Lord God, I'm going to read your words of truth this morning. About this issue that we see and we deal with all of the time in our lives called abortion. But we know that for some it might be more real and more painful than others. And something that they dealt with in a very direct and real way. Maybe a choice that they made, or maybe the impact that they felt because of one. So, Lord, this morning we ask for your grace. We yes, ask that your love would flow in a beautiful and a wonderful way. And there would be an acceptance of forgiveness of your grace. Lord, that people would be set free by your truth just as you promise. might it be. In your holy and your precious and your loving name we pray. Amen. Abortion has been... Um, an issue that's been a hot issue in this country for a very long time. Even before Roe v.ersus Wade, January 1973, 49 years ago, when the Supreme Court banned a Texas law and shot down as unconstitutional a Texas law banning abortion. Since then, countless millions, countless millions of innocent babies have been aborted. And what's interesting, in light of that, if you have ever followed the argument or you 've seen the progression of that over forty nine years um, the 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 rationale the premises the purposes for the legitimacy of abortion has shifted. Maybe you know that maybe you remember that it started out with a big debate over conception. remember so when is life actually um, actually occurs when 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 a child turns into a living human being in the womb. Well, as science progressed, we found out that it was immediate. And then it became an issue over times and months, right? So at what time can this fetus be aborted, this living person? So those debates raged down until now we're at a place where it's full term. So a child that could be born the very next day can be aborted There's also other issues that changed and went through transformation. There were arguments about the cause and legitimacy of abortion for incest and rape. Huge issue, huge debate. Some of that went away, and the argument shifted to a woman's right. It's my body. You can't tell me what to do with it. And now we're at a point where it really mirrors the foundational truth of secular relativism. uh, relativism. And that is, I can do what I want, when I want, and you're not going to tell me I can't. It's that simple. And you know what? I appreciate that statement because it's a more honest reason. We finally wiped away all the excuses and gotten to the core of why abortions occur. I'm not trying to simplify things. I know it's a highly emotional and difficult decision that people go through. God speaks, and he speaks truth about that decision, wipes away all of the arguments I would suggest to you. He speaks in a lot of places. We're going to read from just two. The first one is found in Leviticus 18, verses 1 to 5, and then verse 21. Open up your hearts and hear this word of God. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow the practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to obey my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees in lords, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord And then these words shares a number of things. Then you go down to verse 21, and he says this very clearly. Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Moloch, for you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord right on your hearts and a bit in your lives. So God's saying a lot, and he said a lot in um, in the Old Testament and in the first five books of the Bible when... People were heading into a new land, a new place to live. Basically, he said, hey, I'm your God. You heard that a number of times. You are my people. And as my chosen, I want you to obey and follow me. I've chosen you. I've given you grace. I've kind of picked you, if you will, to be my people. And I'm going to be your God, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to care for you, and I'm going to protect you. And if you walk with me and follow me, I'm going to show you what it means to be my created. I'll give you the very best life that you could possibly imagine living. This is what I ask of you, to love me in return, to obey and to follow me. And he shares a lot of truth, and we read about them in, in, in the first five books of the Bible. Rules, commands, and then further on in the Old Testament, about what that means, about that, what that looks like to be a follower of God. Today we say a follower of Jesus. And he gave them that word and truth. He wanted to be really clear. He revealed it to them for a number of reasons. But one of them is this, and you you read about it, even in those first few verses in Leviticus. They were in Egypt. They weren't supposed to do what the Egyptians did. They were going to the land of Canaan, and God was saying, don't do what they do. I I want you to be my people. Because he knew that the people of the land, whether it was in Egypt or Canaan or anywhere else, had different practices and beliefs that were contrary to his word and his truth and what it meant then to follow him and live a life that he was going to bless. Different practices, different beliefs, different ways of being. And he shared not only because he knew that would be true, but he also knew then that the pressure to conform would be true. It would be great, intense. He wrote these words for them and he wrote these words for us. When you think of this particular topic, this issue, and the other ones we're going to cover... Have you ever felt a sense of pressure to conform? Of course. And the pressure is intense and great. And God knew that would be true for the Israelites, and he knew it would be true for you and me. And so he shares this truth. For us to know it, for us to live it, to be it. Very clear truth. Truth. And in verse 21, he, he addresses a very specific God, Moloch, a God of the Canaanites. But I want to submit to you, if you were to read God's Word and you were to, to look at other places, th- th- there are the gods called, uh, called Chamash and Ashereth, and they also abdicated. If you're going to worship, the practice and belief was you would sacrifice your children to those gods. There's other gods, just like there is today. There's a lot of gods that people sacrifice their children to and for. Think about it for a minute. There are the gods of lust and desire, immorality. There's the gods of reputation and career, there's the gods of economic gain. And social well being. There's the God of convenience, and perhaps the greatest God of all, the God of self. All gods that people follow and sacrifice their children for. Anthony Kennedy in writing the majority position for Planned Parenthood versus Casey, wrote these words, and I'm going to read them for you, um, to uphold the legality of abortion. This is really close to them; it's, it's hard to follow, but I'll make a point at the end. For two decades, citing 1973 to present, For two decades of economic and social developments, people have organized intimate relationships and made choices that define their view of themselves and their places in society, in reliance on the availability of abortion in the event that contraception should fail. The ability of women to participate equally in the economic and social life of the nation has been facilitated by their ability to control their reproductive lives. In those few sentences in that one paragraph, Justice Kennedy identified three gods. The god of economic gain and social development, the god of desire, and the god of self. All cited as just causes for abortion. God says, no, I want you to choose truth and I want you to follow me. I want to be your God and I am your God. He speaks again, not only in Leviticus, but I want to read these words um, for you from uh, Ezekiel 16 as well. And I encourage you to read this whole chapter. It starts out in verses 1 to 5 with God saying this about the nation of Israel. And Ezekiel was a prophet that was given to proclaim truth to the nation and they had abandoned the practices of God. So Ezekiel speaks. A- a- and the first five verses says um, this. You can just see the, the imagery in terms of where he ends up and where he goes. He, he says this, On the day you were born, speaking to the nation of Israel, your cord was not cut. Nor were you washed with water to make you clean. Nor were you wrapped in clothes. No one looked on you with pity and compassion um, or to do anything. Rather, you were thrown into an open field and you were despised. I passed by and saw you kicking about in your own blood. And then I said to you, live. Then he goes on to share about how he did that about how he cared for and protected the nation of Israel, about how he loved them and helped them grow to become um, a, a nation full of beauty and power. And then it happened. They chose to follow somebody else, the gods of the land, the gods he warned him not to follow, to not conform to the practices and the beliefs. And the God of self, he addresses that really clearly. You started to trust in yourself, in your own beauty, and in your own wisdom. And then he says the words that are on the screen, verses twenty to twenty-two. And you took your sons and your daughters, whom you bore to me, God's babies. And sacrificed them as food to the idols. Was your prostitution not enough? So there's already something that you did. Sin begat sin. Was that not enough? You slaughtered my children and sacrificed them to the idols. In all your detestable practices in your prostitution, you did not remember the days of your own youth when you were naked and bare kicking about in your own blood. So, you forgot who even you were. And that you're born to me, and I rescued you, and I cared for you, and I loved you. You forgot your own innocence and helplessness. And you decided that you'd sacrifice your own children. It's pretty blunt and pretty clear, isn't it? I don't really need to share any more truth about that. I will share um, two other passages. One is what Jesus says in Matthew 5. Because... Part of the, the thing that, that Christians and people deal with when they hear the passages out of the Old Testament is somehow they're not relevant, even though they're God's revealed truth for us to know and to live by. That somehow because they're in the Old Testament they're, they're, they're irrelevant and they don't carry any weight anymore. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 5, verses 17, Do not think... Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will be any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So Jesus makes it really clear. Every word of God is relevant. Every word of God is truth. And I didn't come to get rid of them. I came to give them life and to fulfill them. I think that's important for us as followers of Jesus to remember and know because, again, we're being challenged on all kinds of fronts and one of them is even Scripture. Jesus speaks to it really clearly. And as I have done in the past... um, I'd say, go ahead, take a look, read. That There's not one passage, not one verse, not one word that upholds or legitimizes abortion in all of God's Word. There's plenty that speak against it, but not one that upholds or legitimizes it. It takes a lot of Scripture twisting to get to that place. And Jesus spoke very boldly and clearly about it in the Sermon of the Mount, the passage that we read. And then I would call you um, to consider the words that we read in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. And they really present the challenge for us in terms of moving forward and living out um, what it means to have truth with this hot issue. And they're incredibly refreshing. Listen to these words. You know them as the greatest commandment. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Jesus replied, love the Lord. This is after he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Hot issue. What does it mean for you to live with truth as you encounter it in our world? What does it mean to know the truth and to be the truth and to live it and to bring it, to proclaim it in a lost and hurting world that God desperately loves? What does it mean um, for you and for me to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and mind? When he speaks and he gives word about truth and righteousness and holiness and truth about grace and forgiveness. What does it mean? What does it look like to love God in a way that that's fulfilled? To love him that way, that deeply. Will a little bit of fear and a little bit of intimidation be as deep as your love goes? Will being challenged on it or being called the fool or ridiculous be the depth of your love? There are lots of things to think about, isn't there? Again, it'll cost you. But how much will you love God? How deep will your love be? What places will your love for God take you to? Then, of course, the second part: love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? You know the answer, everyone and anyone. How will you love them when you encounter this hot issue? Will you love them only to the place of when you encounter it, that you look away? And you're silent. Will your love be only as deep as saying, "Um, I'm going to ignore this. This is too much for me to deal with or handle apathy, ignorance. Will your love be only as deep as condemnation or rejection? Or will your love be deep enough, full of grace and full of truth? And it's one of the things that um, comes as a challenge every single day in our lives. It comes in this issue, and it will come in the issues that we're going to tackle in the next couple of weeks. Next week, racism, and the week after that, homosexuality. And the question is will we always love enough? A great thing to ask ourselves, isn't it? To pray about, to talk to God about, and then to seek to be and to live. Because His Word and His truth change lives. And it is love, His righteousness, His holiness, and His grace that flows out of His Spirit and His Word. To make those changes and transformations in our hearts and in our lives and in the hearts and the lives of the people that he blesses us and gives us the privilege to know and to encounter. To love enough uh, is a refreshing thing. God will bring the results. He'll protect you. He'll care for you. He just asks you to rise up and to be A person who loves him and a person who loves others. Will you pray with me? Lord God, I give you praise. Lord, we deal with so many hard things in this thing called life. And Lord, when we finally get in on our hearts to be bold and courageous and speak truth, Satan comes along with a sledgehammer. And yet, oh God, you carry a much greater and bigger weapon, and it's something that's beautiful and wonderful, and it's called your love. And so I pray, oh God, that that's who we'd be. We'd love enough to speak truth about what it means to be in a right relationship, about what it means to follow Jesus Christ, and what that looks like in terms of behavior and practice. We love enough to give grace and forgiveness. You are a good and an incredible God. We praise your name and we ask you this morning to fill our hearts to overflowing with your spirit and with your love. That's all we need. In your name we pray it.